Today I want to, beside just dealing with envy, we need to go beyond that and talk about sin in general, and we'll deal with envy. But I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, where we ended the second reading today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. For all these reasons, let anyone who thinks he is standing upright watch out, lest he fall. As we come to a group of us, you know, a group that are pretty good about going to Mass, that praise and worship, to glorify the Lord God, sometimes we can think that we are sitting upright pretty well, huh? We got our lives pretty much in gear. You know, the sins we have are just little sins, and when we do go to confession, we have to almost make up things for Father because, you know, I got my life pretty much in gear. And so we can get the illusion sometimes that we're standing pretty good. And especially true for a priest, you know, that I do everything I'm supposed to do, usually, you know, and I go through the living my life in such a way. But Paul is talking to a group such as us in the Corinth. Huh? He's talking to a bunch of people who think they're always doing God's will. He says, watch out, have humility, lest you fall. And that happens with various things because sometimes we're just not even aware of our sinfulness. Like, for instance, to deal with the sin of envy, which is the sin of today, if we will. I have, I think, in ten years almost, nine years soon, of hearing confessions, I don't think I've heard envy more than five times. In nine years. And yet, you know, again, as I use this quote from St. Augustine, St. Augustine called envy the diabolical sin. And you ever hear, I don't know where the, uh, the reading is, uh, I tried to find it, but I couldn't, I didn't have time. It talks about, through the envy of the devil, death entered the world. Isn't that nice? Because of the envy of the devil. That's why it's the diabolical sin. And then, this is being one of the seven capital sins, or seven deadly sins, or seven cardinal sins. What it, what, it's one of the seven cardinals, which means the hinge sin. It's a sin on which a whole mess of other sins are built upon. And here we have, out of the sin of envy comes hatred. Hmm. Detraction, that's telling an unkind truth about another person, you know. You know, like you catch someone and they're committing adultery or something, and you make sure you tell everybody, well, it's a truth. Yeah, but it's an unkind truth that you shouldn't be spreading. Oh, uh, uh, detraction. Calamity, which is telling a malicious lie about calamity, telling a malicious lie about another human being. You know it's a lie, but you can't stand the person. <laughs> so you're going to just make one up. Joy caused by the misfortune of another. You know, inwardly, like something happens to them, see, good. Their sins and they're getting punished for it. And displeasure caused by their prosperity. And that's when someone else is really doing well and they get something and we kind of resent them for that. Huh, they don't deserve that. Hmm. Now, all those sins, none of us have those, huh? <laughs> Not one of us have any of those sins that creep into our hearts and in our lives. But we need to know that what causes those sins is the sin of envy. And we need to really look at envy because it's one of those things that's very sly and creeps into our heart. And the first thing we need to know is that Jesus came to set us free. 
Sometimes we as Catholics get all messed up because we are people that feel a lot of guilt sometimes, or it used to be, and then they go around and they do the opposite and they say, I'm no good, I'm no good, I'm no good, or I'm a sore, I'm a sore, I'm a terrible sore. And that's not what God calls us to. Like we talked about last week, God calls us to watch out lest we fall, to know and be aware of these sins in our lives, not so he can condemn us, because again, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but so that he can convict us and that these sins will not have power over us. Because all sins, of course, make us a slave to the devil or a slave to sin. And Jesus Christ, more than anything else, came to set us free. Let's go back to Exodus, the first reading today. Here we are in Exodus in the burning bush. And in the burning bush, Moses is going around and he sees God. And God, notice always, God always makes the first move. Moses is minding his own business. And God calls him over and he says, Moses, let's look at it. Exodus, right at the very beginning here. Exodus chapter 3. Verses 4 and following. He says here, God called out to him from the bush. So again, Moses is minding his own business. God always makes the first move. Now I do hope that we realize that. That is a spiritual principle. The spiritual principle is that God always makes the first move. If you have sorrow, it comes from God and your sin. If we have conviction, it comes from God. If we know we're loved, it comes from God. If we do anything good... It comes from God. We can do no good under our own power. All good comes from God. First principle of spiritual life. Everything God makes the first move. So here he is, he makes the first move. And he calls him by name, as he calls each of us by our name. Moses, Moses, he answered, here I am. God said, come no nearer, remove the sandals from your feet. Okay, he's coming to the presence of God. But let's jump down. And it says in verse... Uh, Verse 7, But the Lord said, I have witnessed the affliction of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their cry of complaint against their slave drivers, so I know well that they are suffering. God, before He gives us the commandments, another spiritual principle, before God gives us this, the commandments, He first sets us free from our slavery. Before God gave the Ten Commandments to the Israelites, He first set them free from their slavery to Egypt. And that's true then, and it's true in our lives, and it's true in the spiritual life. Sometimes what we do, as Catholics especially, is we give people the commandments and say, abide by these commandments, but we don't let them experience the forgiveness and the mercy and the freedom that is in Jesus Christ our Savior. Huh? We give the burdens on to people and say, do this, and that's why the kids go around, you know, like prep kids are doing all these things, and oh, Father, it's just another rule of the church. Why is it just another rule of the church? Because they have not yet experienced the freedom of Jesus. They have not yet free experienced the love of Jesus. And yet that's not the way that God has ever worked with the people. First he sets them free. First he says, I am who am with you. I am the God who saves you. And then, now these are my commandments. 
And sometimes we have completely changed that. But you and I need to know the freedom of a life in Jesus Christ. And we who are slaves to our sins, and every one of us here are slaves to some sin, Jesus looks at you and he calls you by name. He says, I have come to set you free. But we've got to know that that's a sin in our life. We've got to know we have envy. We've got to know we have anger. We've got to know we have lust. We've got to know that and acknowledge that and then let Jesus set us free from that. Huh? Years ago, and I think I told you the story, I was in Rome. And again, when it comes to confession, that's the most glorious of all the sacraments next to the Eucharist. Huh? And people are afraid of confession. But it's the place where God sets us free. You know, I've, I've done four retreats in the last two weeks of high school kids. And one said, we had 80 kids. The next week we had, I had 49 kids yesterday, 27 and 29. And so I've heard literally hundreds of confessions in the last couple of weeks. And most kids have never made a true confession. And maybe some of you here have never made a true confession. Because you're petrified of fathers going to think you're something different, you know. Oh, I ain't going to tell father that one. <laughs> you know, and it's always afraid. You know, like kids are most afraid to talk about what? Sex. If I tell father about this, I think he'll kill me, you know. But it isn't the truth. God will, through a priest, reach out and touch them and heal them. When we go to confession, what happens is most of us go around with this mask in front of us. If anybody ever really knew me, they couldn't love me. But what happens in confession is someone you look and say, this is what I hate about myself, and they look at you, and they love you, and then thus you are set free. So years ago, I was in Italy, and as I was in Italy, again, I can't tell you specifics, I can only tell you in general and add a few things in here. I was just got done saying Mass in Rome, and I come down off the altar, and I, was, I got undressed, and I was walking, getting ready to leave, and this big guy, Six foot three or something, blonde haired, blue eyes, big muscles, come with a strong accent, come to me and he says, uh, Father, w would you hear my confession? And I looked around and I said, uh, Okay, sure, but I have nowhere to go. So uh, let's just go in the back of the church. We went and, you know, churches in Rome are humongous, you know, so we were in a corner and I sat down, the guy knelt in front of me, and he couldn't breathe. He was so nervous. And I said, Just relax, come on, just relax. Let me pray for you. So I gave him a blessing. And I said, Lord, just help him to know your love and your mercy and your freedom. And then the guy started. And I can't go into great detail, but I'll never see this guy again. I don't even know who he is. He was from Switzerland. Or he says, Father, in general, I was uh, in Switzerland last week, and I picked up two male prostitutes. And I had sex with two male prostitutes. And I've been addicted to phone sex for about six years. And he looked at me like, you know, he could hardly say it. He was so petrified. And I stopped him right there. I said, stop. And I know he was waiting for the hand to whack him. Huh? <laughs> you know? ah. I sat there and I says, you know that God loves you. And Jesus Christ came to set you free from that sin. You no longer have to be a slave to your sexuality. And this big man just started to sob. Because he had been convicted in his sin, he had been condemned for his sin, but he was never told that there was a way out of his sin. The blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to set us free. And if we are people that remember that and bring that forth, 
that God comes to set us free. If you look at the gospel today, the gospel, here they want to cut down the thing because of the sin or whatever. You know, a fig tree, if it didn't, if it didn't bear fruit within three years, it would never bear fruit. So it's usually done. Okay, it's done. Get rid of it. But here Jesus is the vine dresser, and he says, no, wait, let me help it some more. And Jesus comes into our life and says, I am here to help you. I am here to free you from your sin. And he does everything in his power to free us. But we have to let him. We have to give him these sins. And we need to be people that are about proclaiming the freedom of Jesus Christ. You know, let's look at our lives. Because sometimes, again, the way we live, we can easily judge others. Do we go about judging others? Do we go about condemning others in their sin? Or are we people that go about freeing people in Christ Jesus? Do we announce the good news of salvation? Jesus came to set you free. Or do we bring condemnation? The core of the gospel is that Jesus came to free us from our sin. From envy, from anger, from lust from gluttony, from all of them. Jesus came to set us free. And if he came to set us free, then we must be people that make it our lives to be the instrument of setting other people free. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's only freedom. There's love. There's forgiveness. May we be his presence to the world. May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen.